This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Hallelujah. I heard um, on Monday night too at School of the Prophets, um, Amanda's down in uh, Melbourne, I think, this weekend, but that they had an amazing time with the Holy Spirit as well. And just she was sharing on purity. We've been really hearing the Holy Spirit. Like Nick has brought that word uh, last week about how the Holy Spirit is just moving and preparing people for this glorious acceleration, but he's dealing with with things so that we can, you know, it's basically like the scripture says, cast up the highway, the highway of holiness. And God has just been dealing with, with things so that we can actually be ready for this accelerated glory that God is wanting to bring. And, and uh, so she, Amanda was just sharing on purity on uh, Monday night and she just said there was just a holy move of God where people were repenting and just gloriously getting set free from all sorts of things and uh, so I just want you to be aware of the times and seasons this is Pentecost Sunday today and you know we we celebrate the the outpouring the Holy Spirit every day hallelujah but I you know it's a good opportunity to remember that God sent fire and I, I want more Hallelujah, because fire is not, it's, it's not a bad thing. I, I, went, I remember you know, reading about Smith Wigglesworth and John G. Lake and others uh, back when I was just no, 23. And the call of God had come on my life and I'd been having visions and uh, you know, hearing the Lord encourage me that he wanted to see miracles. He wanted me to pray for the sick and... I'd read about their experiences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they they would talk about being baptized with fire. And I'd think to myself, you know, maybe I missed something. They were doing stuff that I wasn't doing. And, uh, you know, when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was expecting to receive the gift of tongues and that's what I received. It was wonderful. We all went out the back uh, after the service. The pastors prayed for us and we all spoke in tongues and we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's a wonderful thing. It's something you can just receive by faith. The Spirit of God wants to give it to you. And it's, a, it's an amazing gift. I didn't realize the value of the gift till years later. Um, I just sort of thought it was good to use in prayer meetings or, you know, someone told me if you had trouble going to sleep, pray in tongues. So I thought, you know, that's, that's what Pentecostals do. We pray in tongues. But the reality was I began to discover the value of the gift of tongues when I understood that the Bible said those who pray in an unknown tongue edify themselves and build themselves up on their most holy faith. That the Holy Spirit, when we're praying in tongues, the Spirit of God is praying through us for us, like according to His perfect will. That's pretty awesome. Like you get the most amazing one in the universe, beyond the universe, God Himself interceding for you every time you open your mouth and pray in tongues. That's pretty cool. So that was awesome. But I found I wasn't doing the things that Wigglesworth and John G. Lake were doing. And I was like, God, what's missing? What do I need? I, I figured it might be this baptism of fire thing that they were talking about. So I started praying for the baptism of fire. Baptize me with fire, God. And then a whole lot of stuff started happening and circumstances. And I thought, that's enough fire now, God. No more fire. 
thank you for the fire. And the people would have altar calls, fire tunnels. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm going to just stay right here. Add it up for the fire. And I got this attitude that fire was pain and that we don't really want fire, you know, because I'd rather avoid pain. But I didn't really understand what it was all about. You know, in this world, you will have troubles. But thank God he's already overcome the world. And the moment you say yes to the call of God and the destiny of God, he has a tailor-made plan for you to help you get exactly where you're called to go. And it sometimes takes you through a wilderness. Sometimes it takes you through circumstances that are tailor-made to help you prepare for the greatness that he has ahead of you. Hallelujah. And I mean, I did have an encounter with God um, many months later where the Spirit of God came on me and I laughed and I cried and I laughed and I shook and I cried and I laughed. Look, let me tell you, I used to judge people for their manifestations. I'd think when I first started shaking under the power of the Holy Ghost, I was terrified. I thought I didn't think Christians could have demons. You know, I just didn't know what was going on. And um, I was being set free at that time. God was doing something glorious. But, you know, the Holy Spirit would come upon me and I wouldn't stop shaking. And I'd stop my fa- if I stopped my hands shaking, my, my lips would tremble, my teeth would chatter or my leg would go. And, and I figured it was actually just I had weak wiring when it came to the Holy Ghost. And he'd come upon me and it's like, whoa, there'd be a physical manifestation. But, you know, and... Um, Not everybody responds in the same way to the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you can look at different manifestations and you can judge people and think, well, that can't be God. I did that, especially when Rodney Howard Brown came out years ago. I went to those meetings and was look, I was very suspicious about it all. I was like, oh, I don't know about that. And I don't know about that. And oh God, whatever you do, don't make me do that, you know. And, but I, my heart would burn with like, oh, I know there's something in this. And over the years, I mean, when God got me, he got me. I've never been the same again. Hallelujah. Yeah, like that. <laughs> uh, and sometimes you don't know what's going on. This is an illustrated sermon. <laughs> sometimes you don't understand. But I went to somebody recently and I said, what's going on with that? I said, what's that all about? And they were making lots of noise and they were laughing and they were yelling. And I said, so tell me about what's happening. And they said to me, well, I came into this place and I had just gone through a divorce. And the day that I came in, my divorce papers had come through and I was so down. But then the Holy Spirit touched me and and he began to just release me into joy. And I said, you just laugh as much as you want, honey. You know, know, he had been transformed. And so we've got to be careful not to assume we know what God's doing. Hallelujah. We need to be careful to know, to, to realize that, hey, just because it might not conform to your idea of what, what you know, church should look like, I've got, I've got news for you. God's more creative than you are. He's got more glorious things that he wants to do than you've ever understood. And, you know, if we would just instead let people be free to express themselves the way the Holy Spirit touches. You know, David was dancing like that, like that. That's what David was dancing like, just like that. And people were like, 
Hang on, hang on. What are you doing dancing like that? But he was overcome with worship for his God. And when his wife went, oh, I don't know if that's appropriate. When his wife was sitting there from the window going, oh, can't believe it. Sort yourself out. He said, I'm going to get more undignified than this because it's not about what I look like. It's not about what I look like. It's about whether or not God gets the worship that he deserves. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Well, I want to share a little bit with you today. On this day of fire. From the book of Romans, chapter 8. Hallelujah says this, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, God wants to set our minds on things above. He wants us to be spiritually minded. That is not judging things according to what we are thinking with our human understanding, but fixing our eyes on him and just rejoicing in the life and the peace that he wants to uh, have in and through us. Hallelujah. That the Holy Spirit is looking for us to recognize that no matter what circumstance we're walking through, whether we're going through a difficult time or whether we're rejoicing in the favor of God, God is looking for us to set our minds in Him, on Him and to live continuously in this place of life and peace. Hallelujah. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, faith, meekness, all these good things. These are the fruit of the Spirit that God is actually wanting us to manifest through our lives. Hallelujah. Anyway, I, um, I believe I've been, I've been sharing for the last um, couple of weeks about the wilderness and the heart of God for us not just to survive when we're on the, in the process between having a promise and seeing it's fulfilled, but actually to learn how to enjoy the journey, how to enjoy the process and celebrate that God has got a plan in the midst of what you're walking through. God is doing something and you can be fruitful in that wilderness. Hallelujah. That we, can, we shared from Psalm 85 last week about making it a, a place of springs. Hallelujah. That whatever situation you're in, you can make it a place of springs. You can make it a glorious place. We, we talked about um, a little bit about Joseph and David. And, and you know, Jesus also, you know, he didn't even begin public ministry till he was 30. You think about that. You know, if I were God, probably I would have let him start a bit earlier because then we could have had more life of Jesus, ministry, public. We would have known more. It would have made more sense in my human thinking. But you see, God's ways are higher than our ways. And God saw fit to prepare Jesus for the level of greatness that he wanted to expose him to. He, he chose to, to use that time to prepare him for the call and for the purpose. And if it was good enough for Jesus, I've got news for you. There's a preparation process for you. 
And God is looking continually for us to cooperate with Him. You don't just one day arrive either. Hallelujah. Life is a journey. It is a pilgrim's pro- uh, progress. Hallelujah. We, are, we have this joy of journeying with God because we have a city set before us. We, we know our eternal destination. So it's so important that we don't put off our joy until we actually see the fulfillment. Because if we do that, there's always something more. There's always something else to hope for. And God is looking for us to learn how to rejoice when we haven't yet seen the promises fulfilled. Some people say, when I get married, then I'll feel happy. Well, the reality is then you'll be wanting children or, or then you'll be wanting to, to see your children walk with the Lord. Then you'll be wanting to see them get married. Then you want to see their children, you know, have them have children and them to be healthy and safe and then to grow up and to know God. And then you'll be looking for something else. And if you delay happiness until the next fulfillment of the next promise, then you are going to walk around miserable. God's looking for us to actually learn how to enjoy where we are. Hallelujah. He's looking for us to be able to rejoice and to live in that place of life and peace. You are not supposed to be in a holding pattern waiting to begin life. If you're thinking, when I get my partner, when I get married, then I can begin my life. You're missing it. You have life right now. And it's available to you, life and peace right now. Fullness of joy and great fruitfulness is available to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Knowing knowing and experiencing the truth that God himself truly satisfies is really the essential thing I think that we need to learn in the midst of what we're walking through. You know, that the, the reality that you know, my fulfillment and my joy is not going to be dependent on when I get what I'm hoping for. My joy is in knowing him. You know, if I, I've, got, I've got journals from when I would walk through different seasons. And I had a really long season from, well, I thought it was a really long season from when I was 23 to, to 33. And um, just a journey as a whole, uh, you know, where I was being misunderstood and rejected and overlooked and, and God was dealing with issues in my heart. He was dealing with selfish ambition. He was, he was dealing with judgment. He was, he was maturing me and growing me. Yes, because I'd been born again, I was a new creation in Christ. I had everything pertaining to life and godliness, but I had to learn how to take a hold of and actually apply them in my everyday life. I, you know... I had to learn and I had to grow. You see, if promotion comes before your character is established, there can be big problems. And God delights and desires to show you off. He wants you to shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life. But if you are not willing to allow him to deal with the things that that, uh, you need to learn about in your life, you know, sometimes you have blind spots. And God wants you to wake up and realize, actually, that's not part of your DNA anymore. That's not who you are anymore. He wants you to learn what it is to walk with him, to follow him, to know him. You see, we become like him when we see him. 
And God is looking for us to see him more and more and more and more in our worship, in our fellowship with him, because the more we know him, the more we become like him. We are transformed as we behold him. Hallelujah. And that's, you know, yes, there's an instant transformation that happens when we're born again, but there is a continuous transformation that happens as we continue to behold him. And God is looking for us to persevere. You know, Peter talked about that um, the trials of our faith produce perseverance and perseverance, character and character, hope. Character is not something I can impart to you by the laying on of hands. Character is something that comes by persevering. It's in the Bible. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're very quiet. And you know, there's a pattern in Scripture, and it's true for almost anyone who received the promise of God by faith. Like um, Joel Power says, seed, time, and harvest. And that's the reality. You know, God will deposit a seed of hope. He'll promise, He'll put a promise in your heart. And then there's time. And then there's the fulfillment. And what do you do in the time? That's really important. The way that you cooperate with God in the time between the promise and the fulfillment is very important because if you learn to know what God's doing, if you'll find him for who he wants to reveal himself to you as, if you'll discover that you alone are the one that satisfies my soul in that time, you'll come out different. You'll come out transformed. He makes our feet like hinds feet to stand on the high places of influence. Hallelujah. So sometimes that journey time can seem very dark and it can seem a bit confusing. Have you ever had a promise from God? I mean, it doesn't mean whether you've had a prophetic word or even if it's just a, you know, a word that you've read in, the, in the, the word of God. That is yes and amen to you. That's a promise from God to anyone who is now born again, part of Christ. He says, you are a co-heir with Christ. So that means all of the promises that relate to the Israelites, everything, you can have all of it. So if you've ever read one of them, the promises there and you've thought, well, yes, for example, these signs shall follow those who believe. Or perhaps you're believing for your household to be saved. And you, you've said, Lord, you said, lamb for a household. You said, all of my children will be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of my children. Whatever it is, you said, Lord God, to bless you and forget not all your benefits who heals all our diseases. Whatever it is that you are a believing God for, God is looking for you to actually recognize that there is an even greater joy available to you than the hope that you have in the fulfillment of the promise. There is a joy to be found that is far more satisfying. Hallelujah. That is so rich and so glorious that it makes your eyes sparkle, that it makes your face radiant, that you begin to shine like Stephen did as he was being stoned to death. They said his face shone like that of an angel as they were accusing him, as, as he was fighting for his life. And they, were, they, were, he, they said his face shone like that of an angel because he knew the joy of the Father's face. He knew the joy of fellowship with Jesus. Hallelujah. There is something that satisfies beyond what you are hoping for. And if you find that, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
all these things will be added because he knows that this this is what will truly satisfy he, he allows us to recognize you're what I've been wanting all along. Hallelujah. You are my call. To minister to you is my call. Hallelujah. And yes, it's great. I'm going to be speaking in stadiums and, and thousands are going to be coming to Christ and people are going to get out of wheelchairs and that's wonderful. Oh, but I get to bless you. I personally get to minister to God. And if you find that place then all of that stuff is just icing on the cake. It's important that we lay hold of the promise. Vision is a compass for us throughout the wilderness. We need to wage war with the promises of God. Hallelujah. But we also need to be recognizing that in the midst of it, that God's got a deep and abiding joy for us. Amen. Psalm 90 verse 14 uh, from the Passion Translation says this, let our dark night end and the sunrise of your love break through our clouded dawn again. Only you can satisfy our hearts, filling us with songs of joy and gladness to the end of our days. Come and restore us. This is written by the psalmist. That He, he knew, God, I understand. Only you can satisfy. Only you can satisfy. Psalm 27 says this. One thing I desire, this shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on his beauty. Only you can satisfy. This truth, you, you know, I, you can say it, but when you actually find it as reality, as revelation life to you, you can take a moment at any time of any day. You can be in the midst of the most horrific work situation. Step outside for just a moment and go. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You can lift up your head to heaven. And the Bible says those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. You can go and you can get the strength that those who don't know Jesus don't have access to. You can go and get a joy that gives you a supernatural strength. Hallelujah. You can go and fill up on the source, the one that will give you all that you need and far more. Hallelujah. Now, the fulfillment of dreams isn't enough. Goals and accomplishments aren't enough. Vision may sustain you in the wilderness, but it's not going to satisfy you. Only he can satisfy. And if we can actually learn to live in that place of peace, of joyful satisfaction in fellowship with him, then we stop striving, we stop worrying. And we actually can see clearly and begin to walk in the direction God's got us to walk in without the fuss and the worry. Am I, am I going the right way? Am I, is this okay? What am I doing? You can actually be full of peace and they'll be led forth with peace. Hallelujah, the Bible says. So wilderness is just part of our pilgrimage. We're not called to survive it. We're called to thrive in it. Hallelujah. And... Uh, you know, I get so encouraged by thinking about people like Paul and Silas. Paul had that radical transformation, knocked off his horse as he encountered Jesus and went, ooh, 
Whoa. Okay, I was wrong. Your God. And, uh, and he was radically transformed, then spent 14 years before he even came to the, um, the people at Jerusalem and submitted uh, what the Lord had been saying to him. And, but, you know, in their early days of ministry, Paul and Silas, after they were you know, sent out by the, by the Jerusalem council, they were sent out, they were arrested in Philippi. And um, they were beaten, they were thrown in prison, and they were locked up with stocks around, uh, chains around their wrists and their feet in prison for following God and telling the good news. But instead of lamenting and complaining and going, well, this really isn't what I was signing up for. This is not a victorious life. This isn't cool. You know, instead of complaining and getting discouraged and distressed and talking to each other and trying to figure out why did God let this happen? They said, let's look up. Let's worship. Let's praise God. Let's sing. And they were singing songs of joy to the Lord. They were praising God. You know, there is something so powerful. When you've discovered the one that can satisfy, nothing can keep you in bondage. Hallelujah. Because you're already free. Ah, I mean, it's pretty amazing. It didn't take them a few days to get into that place and go, actually, oh, now I remember the key, the key. I read, come on, got the key. Let's worship. That's the key. And it's like, no, their heart response was, oh, God. Lord, it's, they might have been feeling very uncomfortable, beaten up. They were beaten. It wasn't just a little beat. It was like very badly beaten, thrown in prison, locked away. And, oh, oh, ouch. So I really need to lift my voice and commune with you right now. I need to worship God. Come on, Silas, let's worship God. Oh, yeah, that's all. Oh, yeah, let's do that. And they began to sing and they began to worship. And you know what happened? There was an earthquake and the, the chains fell off and a jailer and his family got saved in the process and, and the, the people had to apologize. And it was pretty cool. You should read it. It's, it's a very cool story. It's in the book of Acts. I encourage you. Um, but that was in the early days of his ministry. Then much later... Paul writes to people and, um, and says he's, he's in prison. And he was in prison for a long time. He was under house arrest and um, waiting a trial to see whether he would live or die. And instead of complaining and wondering, oh, well, what's going on now, God? I have been singing and the chains haven't fallen off. How come we haven't got this breakthrough yet? Am I doing something wrong? Oh, God, maybe I, what have I done? What have I done? Instead of, instead of going anywhere near that, he began to celebrate. He'd, write, he'd take the opportunity to, to write the epistles. Hallelujah. He wasn't like, well, when I get out of here, then I can go and do something useful. He's like, well, now that I'm here, I've got plenty of time to do lots of writing. Hallelujah. And he's still blessing us today. And, in, and he was actually writing that this is working out for the good. This, my imprisonment's actually working out for good. In fact, I'm having the opportunity to, to uh, minister to all these Roman officials. And, it's, and he, was, he was writing about the good things that were coming out of a really bad situation. And he was celebrating. He was full of joy. He wasn't human. 
This is not normal. He was a transformed new creation that, that thought differently, that looked at everything knowing that, hey, God is for me. Who can be against me? So if I'm in a, whatever situation I'm in, I get the joy of actually being able to give you what you don't even yet know you really want and what you really need. I have the joy of being fruitful in this situation because Christ is in me, the hope of glory, and God is for me. Who can be against me? He cannot be contained. If my circumstances say that I'm not allowed to leave the house, well, I'll just affect the whole world for generations to come. Hallelujah. And then he, people would, he'd be out there in prison and he'd hear about these people who would be saying, oh, Paul, you shouldn't be listening to him. And they'd be out there preaching out of bad motives. And he'd go, don't worry about it. At least Christ is being preached. Isn't that awesome? Let's celebrate that Christ is being preached. Wow. Where do you get an attitude like that? You're all I want. By lifting up your face and letting him make his face shine on you. Hallelujah. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Hallelujah. They knew and if you find it, if you know it, if you practice it, understanding how to receive the joy of the Lord, you will live in a continuous place of glorious fire, of glorious joy, a fire that doesn't bring you sorrow, but fire that, that stirs you up to celebrate and rejoice in Jesus. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and so he wrote and he gave us, though, a couple of the keys to his amazing attitude he says this in Philippians chapter 4 rejoice in the Lord always and again I will say rejoice I think he was trying to make a point he wasn't like oh it's a good idea to rejoice he's like seriously if you get anything get this rejoice in the Lord always not sometimes, not when you get the promise. Rejoice right now because there's something waiting for you to step into. It's a life, it's a glory that you, that you are, are privileged to be able to live in and you enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. The rejoicing actually brings you into the place of refocusing and remembering, Ooh, I am the beloved of God. Hallelujah. And so a lot of people, though, they begin, to, um, they begin to think that if I'm going through something, you know, then uh, what's, what's going on? They try to ask a whole lot of questions. And God wants to still you with Jesus being the answer. Hallelujah. He wants to still, you, still and quiet your soul. And he wants to encourage you. But then sometimes people think, well, maybe if I don't do too much for God, then the enemy won't attack me. I've had people tell me this, that, you know, I don't know about if I'm going to undertake stepping out into the service teams because that might just, you know, that might just cause me to become under attack. I got news for you. 
You're going to be under attack anyway. And it's better to be closer to the one that, you, that protects you than to be out on the outskirts. He seeks whom he may devour. But the ones that are right next to Jesus go, Oh, I love you, Jesus. You're all I want. He can't touch them. Hallelujah. There might be things that come against them, but he can't touch them because they're already free on the inside. Hallelujah. Our magnificent Jesus. So it's better to be close to the one that loves you and looks after you. The enemy attacks through deception, and that only works with people who aren't living in the light. And it's so easy, you know, when you are caught, when, when the enemy tries to get your attention and get you focusing on circumstances to be able to buy into the worry and the lies that he wants to give you. But if you keep your eyes fixed on him, if you continually take it, take it back to the Lord and let him speak to you, the comforter will come and he will give you peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. The enemy comes in to deceive us, but the, but the Lord comes in to bring truth. And that's that knowing that truth that sets us free. Hallelujah. And then the, um, the second key that he gave was in Philippians 4, chapter 6 says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, I woke up this morning, it's my birthday today, and I, um, I woke up and I, I just opened the blinds and I just stood before the Lord in front of the um, window and I just began to thank him. Lord, I want to thank you for all these years that you've looked after me. I want to say thank you for all the good things that you've done for me. And I just began to thank him. And then I began to just bring him the things that were on my mind. Lord, I'm a bit concerned about this situation. And I talked to him about that and I cast my cares on him. I said, Lord, I give it to you. And Lord, um, I've got this uh, concern for these people. So Lord, I just lift them up to you right now. And I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are working that all out for good. Thank you, Lord, that you are their deliverer. And I just began to do that. And you know, the heart of God is that we wouldn't walk around carrying weight, but that we would carry it to him and release it to him. Every one of us um, often hope that God will do something in answer to our desires without actually ever praying about it sometimes have you ever had that happen you're in your in your heart you think oh, I hope God does something about this I hope that oh, I hope that happens and we worry about it more than we pray about it but every one of us has an intercessor's instinct because we're made in the image of the one who is interceding through us hallelujah and so it's that same impulse that says oh, oh I hope God does something for that person or Oh, I hope that there's a breakthrough for that person. When you get that feeling, that thought in your head, oh, it would be so good if that one would be healed or be so good if that marriage, oh, if only they could just see and da-da-da. That's an intercessory burden. But if you don't identify it and recognize that you're called to lift it up to God and release it to Him, you begin to be weighed down. Compassion's a good thing, but compassion is supposed to move you to action. And your action is not always to go and fix it. There's some things you can't humanly fix. But I tell you, the action that you can do that is so powerful and effective is to bring it to the Lord in prayer, is to lift it to Him with thanksgiving and thank Him. Thank you, Jesus, that you are making a way for that person. Thank you, God. By praying, amazing things happen. You think about it. When Peter was in prison, the the church was praying. James had been uh, beheaded 
And so the church was like, oh God, come and protect Peter. And they were interceding, they were praying for Peter. And while they were praying, he had a dream. He thought it was a dream. But an angel came and got him, took off his chains and walked him right out of the prison. He came and knocked on the door while they were praying upstairs. Something happens when we pray. Hallelujah. And the Lord wants to encourage us. We've been hearing the Holy Spirit speaking about the power of prayer and the invitation to pray. But God's, God's lift, looking for us to actually lift up the burdens to him, to stop worrying and start praying. Hallelujah. It's like that old hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. All my sins and griefs to bear. There it is. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. It's an old hymn, but I tell you, it's a powerful truth. Oh, what needless pain we bear because we haven't actually asked God. You know, you know about it. Intercessors often even fall into this trap where it's like, oh, I've got this weighing on me. Oh, I've got this burden. Have you actually asked God yet? Oh. But as you take it to him and you release it to him, God does something so powerful. It doesn't just make you feel better. There is something that happens when you begin to power with God and the authority that he's given you. Hallelujah. You will see shift and you will see change. We need to be a praying people that don't, not so focused on what's going on with us that we can't see around us. I've got, the, I've got a musical track happening today to my sermon. I'm thinking of Keith Green. You know, uh, when he would sing it, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. It's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. And it's true, but God is looking for us in the midst of when you're walking through pain, when you're walking through difficult circumstances, you can pray and you can pray for other people and you can be fruitful right in the midst of what you're going through and step out of yourself and into him. Hallelujah. Not anxious prayers, but prayers that are filled with hope and faith and knowing that as I'm asking, God is doing something. Now, I am... Um, we had a, a situation a while back and I, I was just, I was praying, oh God, so I, I'm asking for your help, Lord, that you'd, inter that you'd intervene, that you'd, that you'd help that person. And while I was praying, while I was praying, God sent a couple from this church to go and talk to that person that I was praying for. In the midst of while I was praying, the very same time I was praying, you don't know what can happen when you start to pray. I think about Sid Roth. You know, he was um, into all sorts of things, didn't believe in, in Jesus, and he had a bunch of Christians praying for his salvation. And now he's reaching people all over the world. What would happen if we actually start to pray? Hallelujah. God wants to make a way where there seems to be no way, but God is waiting for us to step up. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you've yet seen the fulfillment of what you're, what you're asking for, what you're believing for, but if you will persevere in hope, 
If you'll persevere and believe, God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He, he encourages us that whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. He wants to strengthen you and encourage you and give you joy in the midst of it and all you're going through. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of joy no matter what season you're in. No matter what's going on, there is joy available to you. And even when God's doing great things, when he's doing amazing miracles and opening wonderful doors, God wants you to understand that you have a place to live, that's a joy that is way beyond the affirmation of man or the, the, the joy of the breakthroughs that you're seeing. There is a joy that doesn't even touch it. When you've tasted it in the wilderness and you've found the joy of his fellowship, all the great things that God does, the fulfillment of his promises, they, they're good, but they don't even come close to the joy that you've actually experienced. Hallelujah. You know, you get to do wonderful things with him, but when you find him as your true joy... When you discover the one that loves you more than life, when you've found true joy, you can say, yes, Lord, it's wonderful what you're doing. Often just declare, Lord, this is your doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. I'm seeing a lot of the promises fulfilled that I had believed for years and years ago. And there's still promises I'm believing for that are yet to come. But in the midst of it, no matter what's going on, I, as I celebrate and say, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, it doesn't even come close to, God, I get to look at you. I can say, look what the Lord's doing, but oh, look at him. We get to love him. Oh. There is a joy that is greater than what we've ever understood. And, you know, many of us have stepped in and started to taste of that joy. But I believe we're about to step into a season of joy that is beyond what we've understood. Hallelujah. Beyond what they saw in Toronto or Pensacola. Beyond what, what has been, be, been before. Because God is looking for us to actually allow him to touch us and to fill us to overflowing with all his fullness. Hallelujah. To bring us in a place where we are so secure in him. <laughs> that we can go and get what we need. We can encourage each other, just like Paul and Silas. Let's lift up our heads. Let's, let's get what we need. Let's look at him. Let's worship him. Let's minister to him and receive the joy that'll cause us to go on from strength to strength and glory to glory and to fulfill and be fruitful. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. Lord, whatever situation these people find themselves in today, Lord, I'm asking that you would encourage them, that you'd strengthen them, that you'd help them know the truth, Lord, that you are for them, not against them, that in the midst of, even in the waiting time between promise and fulfillment, Lord, that they would find you as their deep joy and great satisfaction, Lord, that their, their hope wouldn't be pinned alone on what you're going to do, but on the fact that they get to live in you, and he who abides in you is fruitful, Hallelujah. I'm asking, Spirit of God, that you'd help us to live in the reality of truth that sets us free. Hallelujah. That we would learn to live, Lord God, not conform to the pattern of the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind, by looking at you, by knowing you, by feasting on your word, feeding on you, and keeping our minds set on the truth that you are with us. You are for us, Father, in your precious name. 
Amen. Hallelujah.